Praise the Lord. Online viewers, can we give it up for those watching online? We have many different states that watch. God bless you. I've got to tell you a really cool story talking about online. Uh, some of you know that I preach to Pakistan uh, every now and then. I preached to them a couple months ago. I preached to them again two weeks ago. And this past, I think, Tuesday or Thursday, they sent me a report. Uh, now, remember, Pakistan is the second most Muslim country in the world. Uh, the day I preached, nine, it was open air. Ninety-five people uh, gave their heart to the Lord with testimony, okay? Uh, so they, they just they walked away from, uh, from not being a Christ follower into being a Christ follower. Uh, when I preach, I preach through an interpreter, and I preach a point, and then I'll pray for that point. And so one of the points was a healing point, and I asked for people just to lay hands on their own body or someone near them if they had something that they needed to be healed of. And one mother, uh, they showed me a picture, it was the coolest thing. Her son, maybe about six years old, had never spoken a word, and they showed a picture of her praying for her son uh, hand over uh, his mouth after she had converted, and he instantly started speaking, making noise. Isn't God good? Just the beauty of the kingdom of God. And so there are brothers and sisters, right? If you're a Christ follower, they're a Christ follower. We're in this thing together, and God is good. Amen. So I hope you have read or are reading out of uh, the book of Psalms. Uh, we're in the summer series of four Psalms, and uh, Janie and I are reading a Psalm a day, and we would encourage you to do the same. Our daughter, Jill, hi, Jill, she watches. She sent us a really cool book. Um, I think she bought it on Amazon, at least Amazon sent it to us. Um, they send us something every day, it seems like, but um, uh, not Jill, Amazon. Uh, we pay for it, but... I really cool, like a coffee table book. And so it's got just really cool photographs and artwork. And so we've been reading out of the Psalms every day. And my heart is that you would not only read the Psalms, but you would pray the Psalms and, and, and pray it in a prayer. Uh, and you'll see where some Psalms are, you know, David, you know, kind of maybe curses his enemy or he's mad at somebody, but he, it's in what he's really what he's really trying to be is he's trying to be transparent to where he can show the goodness of God. Because even in our emotions, even in our feelings, we, we become transparent, we become authentic, we become whatever, and yet we have to, that, that part's okay. Uh, Paul said, be angry but sin not. But understand that even when you go through those emotions, that God's got the bigger picture. He, he understands, he loves, he's all knowledge, he, he, he feels your pain, but he also has a work in progress. Some of the things that we go through, although we don't want to go through them at the time, it ends up for our good. These, these momentary trials, they're, they're going to work out for us. And so today, we're going to read the second psalm. Next week, we won't read the third psalm. It'll be a different psalm. But today, we're going to read Psalms 2, and we'll read out the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation currently only only has the New Testament and then Psalms and Proverbs. I think they're still working on the Old Testament. And I just like the wording in it, okay? I, I have had uh, people that have asked me what translation I read out of. Uh, I used to be King James, then New King James, and then ESV, then Holman's, and then the message. And currently I read out of ESV more than, more than not. Uh, but today it's going to be the, the, the Passion Translation. And it's a good translation, but it's broken into four parts. This is almost like 
uh, Psalms 2, 12 verses, is almost like four parts of a play. If you go to a local playhouse, sometimes they'll have Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, Act 4, or they'll maybe have an intermission. This is kind of that way. It's, it's laid out the same way. And the reason it's laid out that way is because we see basically four different people speak, okay? And in the first group of people that speaks, there's almost kind of an answer for the next three. And so it's, a, it's important to kind of understand the background. A lot of psalm is poetry, it's metaphors, and some of this case, it's, it's reality. It's what, it's what God is looking at from his people. So let's pray uh, that the Lord puts his blessing upon uh, the hearers, and then we'll walk through psalms, the second chapter. Father, thank you for for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your psalms that we can just pray, Lord, these psalms of David and Asaph and, and the sons of Korah and Moses, Father, and, and they're two and three thousand years old. So thank you that you've protected your word and you've given it to us. Help us to read it, not only read it, to pray it, not only pray it, but to believe it and then to live it. We love you, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Praise God. And so uh, Act 1 uh, would be Psalms uh, 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. How dare the nations plan a rebellion? And some scriptures uh, would say, why do the nations rage? Or why do the heathen rage? Or why do the heathen resist? And so we're here, we're looking at probably uh, ungodly people, people who, people who aren't Christ's followers yet, uh, but at the same time, maybe some uh, godly people, Christ followers, who have gotten wrapped up into uh, worldly situations or worldly things. How dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. They're, they're empty. They're, they're no good. Verse 2 then says, look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit. And, and it's true, we, we see the, you know, the G7, we see the G20, we see the power meetings, the power brokers, and, and I think those things are good if maybe people are after peace or if they're after humanity. Uh, my guess is a lot of times they're just after political agendas and self-serving type things. And so uh, we see here that if you were going to uh, title uh, this, um, uh, this part, this act, Act 1, it would be why do the why do the heathen or why do the nations rage? Why are the nations rising up? Why are they holding their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king saying, and, and by the way, people don't always know they're going against God. Uh, whenever selfishness runs in, or whenever self-centeredness runs in, or whenever self-ambitions run in, uh, that's when people tend to move against God. And so we have to understand that uh, when nations rise up, maybe they're oil powers, or maybe they're political powers, or maybe they're financial powers, or maybe they're, they're used to running the show. When they rise up, uh, they're not saying we're going against God, but sometimes their actions are, okay? And they're saying, let's come together. Let's break away from this creator. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. So act one is a nation, a group of people uh, worldwide that knowingly or not knowingly they rise up and they say, hey, we don't need God anymore. We don't, we don't need this anointed one. And, and Christ, that's, uh, Christ is not Jesus' last name, not Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the anointed one. 
Emmanuel, God with us. He's the anointed one. And so we don't need this anointing. And part of the reason people say they don't need this anointing is it it comes with a sense of responsibility. Uh, We don't really have the rights that we had at one time. Our rights are morphed into responsibilities. My responsibility now is to love. My responsibility now is to give grace. My responsibility now is to give mercy. My responsibility now is to instill hope. My responsibility as a believer is to know that God be magnified and glorified. Can you say amen? This is important to understand and it's important to know because we have to, we have to know that we live in, we're living in a world that's a little dysfunctional. We're living in a world that's at odds with each other. We're living in a country that is at odds with each other. And the country is looking for a church on this 4th of July weekend, looking for a, a group of people, the body of Christ, to rise up and say, wait a second, let's, let's love each other. Let's have peace with each other. Let's, let's agree on things we can agree on and knowing that we can move forward in Christ. And so why do the nations rage? Usually the nations rage because just like a spoiled child who will cry, they're not getting their way. They're not getting the, the things that they want to be in charge of. That's why nations rage. But it was that, it was that way when uh, Augusta, Augusta, Augustine lived uh, in the late 300s. It was that way when uh, Francis of Assisi lived in the late 1100s. It was that way when Martin Luther lived in the late 1500s. It's that way today uh, in the early uh, 21st century that we look at people and we look at wh- who, who are you? Why are you that way? Way, rather than seeing God's value in them and, we, and rather than seeing how they look like in Christ. When we look at uh, the nations raging, it's easy for us to say, well, that's an ungodly nation or that's a, a godly nation. Or uh, like I said, in Pakistan, where 95 people gave their heart to the Lord uh, just a week and a half or two weeks ago, uh, and, and, and 82 of them got healed at some point in time. A lady with a broken leg got up and, and over there, they don't, it's not like a cast and crutches is broken. It was disfigured. And she got up and she was running around the place, recognizing her freedom in Christ. She had been immediately healed. We know that even in what would be presumed as an ungodly nation, that God can move. And God does move. God chooses to move. And so that's act number one. Act number two then we'll read verses uh, four through uh, six. And the Bible says, God enthroned merely laughs at them. And you could put uh, as act number two, God laughs. God is smiling not uh, at, the, um, at, at, the, at the temperament of the people. God sometimes smiles at the innocent of the people. Sometimes God laughs like, oh, you really know what you're doing. You, you power broker, you, you, po- you politician, you, you, uh, you professional athlete, you Hollywood actor, you uh, church member, you pastor. You, you really think you know what you're doing. God is in charge. God is in control. And the more that we give all of our trust, our faith, our hope, our confidence, our belief in God, the more God will move on our behalf. That doesn't mean you're not going to have some bad days. That doesn't mean some situations are not going to work out the way you want or maybe even need them to. Trust me, in our home, not everything works out the way that we hoped it would. There are things that just take a bad turn. It's how you deal with the bad turn, though. 
and God laughs. I, I'll give you a little cute little story, and then before we, as we continue to read on, in our home, uh, we have one granddaughter. In fact, she's the only granddaughter on either side of Marcus and Charity, and in my opinion, she might be just a tad bit spoiled, in a good way, though. And she's the princess, there's no doubt about it, and she knows it. Her name is Selah. And then when she comes over on Sundays, uh, the, the kids that live in town, they come over to eat, and Sailor rides home with, with Grammy. She got a car seat, and poor little Judah, he asked, Grammy, you got another car seat for me? <laughs> and Grammy does, yeah, I know, but we don't, you know. And, and so, um, and her mom, his mom ain't bought him one yet, so, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Charity. <laughs> and so Sailor rides home with us, and, and when she, she gets to the house, uh, she has a dresser full of clothes. That She goes in, she changes her clothes, and she throws her clothes on our bed, my bedroom floor. And they, they lay there, and I got to step over them. I mean, it's a little pile. She's just a little kid. But I laugh at it because we'd have never let our kids do that. But you can let grandkids get away with anything that your kids never got away with. It's amazing being a grandparent. I recommend it for everybody. The only bad thing is you do have to have kids first. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. I'm, I'm just saying. And so Sailor comes over, and she, like, she wants to help Janie cook. And so she grabs a little stool, she stands at the sink, and Grammy, what do you want me to wash? And even if Janie doesn't have anything for her to wash, she'll give her something to wash. And we have a nozzle that pulls down and sprays. And the first couple of times Sayla used that nozzle, she would turn and look at Janie when she was spraying the nozzle, not really realizing what she was doing. And then she'd look over here, and she was getting the hose sink wet. She would get the counter wet. She would get herself wet. And it was a cute little thing. And we would laugh. Rather than just really bring instruction or maybe even correction, uh, Janie would laugh and get wet with her, and it was just a good time. All right, that's almost like God in a way. God's laughing at the innocency of people who really think they know what's going on. But all power is God's. All knowledge is God. In fact, the world will say knowledge is power, but the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge makes us a little bit more arrogant than what we, really, than what we should be. Knowledge gives, us, knowledge gives us rights. Humility gives us responsibilities. And if we walk in our responsibilities as a Christ follower, then God starts to laugh. Not only he laughs out over them, but he starts to look at the, he starts to look at the innocency. We look at the innocency of, of little Salem. The other day I asked her if I could help her, and she said, oh, Poppy, no. Poppy, you, you cook outside on the grill. Me and Grammy, we got the inside covered. So, okay, I'll go outside, honey. Yeah, you should. You go do your thing. We'll do ours. She likes her Grammy time. She doesn't want anybody interfering with Grammy time. But she always likes using that sprayer and getting everything just a little bit wet uh, in the kitchen. And I think that's true. Sometimes we look at the, the, the political brokers, the power brokers, the leaders, those people. And we kind of maybe sometime if our, if our guy's in, we kind of we hope that they, they do a good job because we know that maybe God will work through them. And by all means, God says that through his word, he will put people in position. But that word. As believers, are supposed to pray for everybody that's in position, whether we want them there or not, or whether we voted for them or not, or whether we think they're doing a good job or not. Our, our challenge as a church is to vote, is to, is to uh, pray for those people that, that God would direct them, give them wisdom and 
cause them to do what he wants to do. So even when they're doing something that maybe is contrary to our best interest, we don't know if it's in God's best interest or not. I'm not, I'm just saying that we have to be careful that we understand that God is in charge. He says he merely laughs at them. The sovereign one mocks their madness. Then with the fierceness of his fiery anger, he settles the issue and terrifies them to death with these words. And by the way, when it, the word terrify there, have you ever, like, have you seen a bull or a cow, a big, like, snort? Like, if you're in the Rockies, we've seen elk snort. They make out, a, they make out like a, a howl, but then they'll snort. And when they snort, uh, the, the opposing male knows they mean business. Like, there's a fight that's getting ready to take place. And bulls are the same way. That's what that fiery uh, word means when, in the Scripture is, like, God is, like, snort. Like he's flexing his muscles. He's, he's getting ready. He's supercharged. He's, he's fired up. And he says, I myself have poured out my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And Zion means a place called best. It's, in, it's a literal place. It's a place of ascent. It's a place of magnitude. It's a place of purpose. It's a place of knowing our, uh, our, our fight. It's a place that we know that we don't fight. And this is a psalmist writing this. It's a, almost a continuation of Psalm 1. It's, we know that we don't fight with each other. We fight with spiritual battles. We know that we're walking through this hand in hand. And God's laughing because if we don't do it God's way, there is no other way. And I laugh uh, along with the atheist who has to continue to prove that there is no God. If you don't believe there's a God, you shouldn't have to prove there isn't one. God exists. The question of God existing is not questioned in the Scripture at all. In the, in the Scripture, we look and say, God is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. He's a rewarder of those who love him and call themselves his own. We walk in a kingdom together where God exists as the king. And so here he's laughing. And why is he laughing? He's laughing because of just little Selah getting everything wet, maybe making a little bit of a mess, and yet the innocency of it. Now, in that innocence, sometimes pride exists, sometimes arrogance exists, sometimes uh, false humility exists, and people will rise up and really think they're doing something. And so then Act 3 exists, and then we, we read uh, the next verses then out of Psalms 7, 8, and 9, I will reveal the eternal purpose of God. Now Jesus is speaking. The first is the nations. Of which we're part of. Second, it's God speaking. He's laughing. Now it's Jesus speaking. It's Jesus' turn. And if you remember of all creation, it's God's vision, but Jesus spoke this world into existence, and the Holy Spirit comes behind and he does all the work. Now Jesus is saying, I will reveal the eternal purpose of God. What is that eternal purpose? It's to regather community, which is what the church should be about regathering, not dividing. Not bringing discord, but regathering community, regathering people to know God's goodness through his son, Jesus Christ. And so he, he regathers. In fact, all sin goes back to that knowledge of good and evil tree. 
And so we think of ourselves that I'm right by doing this, or I have my rights, and I would share this, that our rights somewhat go away, and we pick up responsibilities after we become a follower of Jesus Christ. And so he reveals the eternal purpose of God, for he has decreed over me, you are my favorite son. He's talking, Jesus is talking about God's conversation with him. Yes, the Trinity is hard to explain. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three in one, acting together, yet we have three distinct different bodies, persons there. And he's his son, but was he always was? Yes, he always was. But he's the begotten because he came to earth in this earth suit so that he could show us how to live a life that was uh, sin-free, that he could offer that life in sacrifice. He could die at a cross. He could raise again to show us and make room for us in the heavenlies if we accept the work that he did for us. So he's a favorite son, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. And as your Father, I have crowned you as my King, eternal. Today, I became your Father. Today, I became your lifeblood. Today, I became the, in fact, it says, uh, you became the wealth of me. Ask me to give you the nations, and I will do it. In other words, Jesus says, when he walked on this earth, the, the harvest is white, it's ready. It's time to go. It's time to gather. All we need is laborers. All we need is workers. And so what's the, what's the trick of the enemy is to bring divide. It's to bring, it's to bring separation. It's to bring movement from one way to the other so that people don't want to uh, invite someone into the kingdom of God. Well, they don't think like me. They don't look like me. They don't act like me. They don't vote like me. They must not be me. They probably aren't. But together we're all his if we're in Christ Jesus. Good place to say amen. Why? Because they shall become your legacy. Your domain will stretch out to the ends of the earth, and you will shepherd them with unlimited authority and by association because Jesus is the great shepherd. He looks for under-shepherds, and the under-shepherds are to be the mentors to those who maybe have a way that's gone wayward, or maybe they're not as mature, or maybe they're still in their age of innocence, and maybe they still need to grow a little bit in Christ. It's not that we punish them or beat them or ridicule them or judge them. It's that we love them and walk with them and help them and use them uh, for, their, for God's glory and goodness. And we, we share with them the, the possibilities Crushing their rebellion as a iron rod smashes jars of clay. The iron rod, by the way, in the Greek lexicon, means the power of spiritual truth. And so how do we fight our battles? Not using the word to beat somebody up, but by going to the word and saying, hey, what's the Bible say about this? Let's see what the scripture says about your situation. Let's see what the scripture says about the world's uh, situation. Let's see what the scripture says about the power brokers of the world. Let's see what the scripture says about gathering together and loving one another and, and being part of who we are. In fact, and when Jesus is told, ask of me and I'll give you the nations, and then he says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations, and he says in the scripture in the book of John that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and then if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There is a qualified that we love each other because Jesus says the two greatest commandments are to love God with everything in your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. 
And the only problem I see there is we have a generation that's grown up that is fatherless and sometimes motherless, and they don't know love. And if you don't know love of a father, how can you, how can you know the love of the father? And you have to, so this is why the church has to step in and show them what love really looks like. This is the love of the father. We've all experienced that love together of the father. And so Jesus speaks out. First the nation speak. Then God laughs, and he doesn't even speak, but he does speak. And then Jesus speaks, and as Jesus is speaking, he's, he's letting people realize, wait a second, you have the authority to ask anything in his name, and he will do it for you. If you're a Christ follower, there is a qualifier, like I said, and that's love. We don't have to love what someone does. We don't have to even love who someone is. We just have to love God's creation in them. Janie and I, and, and this, you know, you, you hear these stories. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's odd until you really experience it. The last time uh, her mom and dad were down uh, a year ago this past May, he marveled at all the cardinals in our backyard. There was, there was and we have a lot, we, at the time, I thought we had a lot of cardinals. And there were some cardinals that would sit on our fence, and they kind of, they look at, you know, they, and so uh, we bought a bird bath. We thought, well, let's, let's get a bird bath, and we'll, we'll clean the bird bath. And, and then we bought a little bird feeder, and then we got another bird feeder from our, uh, our, our third grandson, Cam. He bought us a bird feeder at a school thing. We hung that in the yard. So we got some bird feeders, and we got... And this year, um, I can't number the number of cardinals that are just in our, in our backyard. And I, in fact, I call one Jess. You know, he's kind of chubby little cardinal. And he read and he sits and he watches Janie all the time. And he'll, Janie will be in the backyard and old Jess is just sitting on the fence just watching Janie. And then he'll fly over and he'll, he'll look at me a couple and he'll fly. And there's just a bunch of cardinals in our backyard. And, and you know, it's, it's our little, like it's our little token from heaven because Jenny lost her father coming up a year ago. And it's just like our little thing, like he liked all these cardinals. And now we have, I would say, three times the number of cardinals, at least in our, in our backyard. And it's cool. And so I take a little bit of uh, St. Francis and the fact that they're, they're, they're part of creation. I, I, we like birds anyways. And cardinals is the North Carolina state bird, which is really cool. And, and our our grandson Cam, he likes the Cardinals football team because he likes the bird. I don't know that he likes the players as much as he just likes the bird. But, but we have, I say all that to say this, as much as I like those birds, those Cardinals and the Cardinals in our backyard, I need to love humanity that much more. I mean, that's a bigger creation from God that we're in some way, shape or form all Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. I mean, we're in this together. And if you don't know Jesus, we need to introduce you to Jesus. And if you know Jesus, man, we're all on the same team. But, Pastor, I think differently. And you might. And in the end, God's going to sort it out. But if we filter everything through the love of Jesus Christ, because it is him who said, Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes to extremes when he talks about the good Samaritan, an ungodly person acting like a godly person when the priest and the Levite, the two that represented God, didn't act in a godly manner. Why do the nations rage? Because they're confused. God laughs because he put a plan in place. 
But yet Jesus speaks it out, and then the Holy Spirit answers Act 4. If you're taking notes, you can put the Holy Spirit answers. I think we're going to read 10, 11, and 12. Holy Spirit says, listen to me, all you rebel kings and all you upstart judges of the earth. Now remember quickly, God did not want kings on the earth. He specifically said when Samuel came to him, they want a king. They want an earthly ruler. God said, that's the bad idea. They will take your children, they will take your land, and they will tax you. Three things God said. They will take your children to war, they will take your property, and then they will tax you. It's not a good thing. This is what's going to happen. And it's still going on today all over the world, right? Children go to war. Uh, property and land uh, gets taken, and then taxes become, you know, 37% or whatever they are uh, in your tax bracket. So God said it's not a good thing. That, that he put judges in the land to help rule, but he never wanted a king. Why? Because he is the king. Right? He's the king. He's the one who's in charge. We, we, we have to not look at different people. We have to pray for them, but we don't need to look at different people to make decisions that we know God ultimately is going to make, okay? Learn your lesson while there's time, he says. Serve and worship the awe-inspiring God. Wow. Wow. Well, pastor, I am. I'm serving God. All right, good. Praise God. Can you serve a little bit more? Could, could you help out on a, a block party? Could you, could you help out in the nursery? Could, could you help out in, in finances? Can you, can you, can you do what, uh, can, you, can you start a ministry? Can you, can you join the prisons? Can you come to a Wednesday night prayer session? Can you, what, what can you serve and worship the awe-inspiring God? Recognize his greatness and bow before him. That's a literal interpretation. That's not metaphorical. This is what God wants from his people. Why, why, why should we bow? Well, if you know anything about royalty, to acknowledge the king is to bow before the king. And rebels would say, I'm bowing before him. I ain't bowing before that, before that king. But the Holy Spirit here, this is the Holy Spirit speaking right here. This is the Holy Spirit answering. Do you want your problem solved? Because I got the answer. It's like uh, Janie and I will visit sometimes with people and, you know, hey, we're going through this situation. It could be anything. It could be marriage, finances, relationship, just advice. And, and, and one of the questions I like to ask is, do you want help or do you just want to hear what you want to hear? Because sometimes people don't really want help. They just want to hear what they want to hear. They'll go to five different people when, that, when finally, like, maybe they'll come to me, maybe they'll come to Landon, maybe they'll come to Joel, and maybe Landon will never, for, I won't use his example, you'll tell him what, you'll tell him, you know, so maybe Joel, not you, but just, in, you know, and, they might, and Joel might be like, well, have you, what do you want to do? Well, yeah, go ahead and do that. Oh, well, Joel told me this. Mark told me that, and Landon told me that, and Jason told me that, but Joel told me this. Like, he's heard from God. Not that you couldn't hear from God. I believe you could. I believe you do. Just for an example, though. Just not saying that. So sometimes people will go to as many people as they can until they find the answer they want to hear. Not the answer they need to hear. So I'm telling you today, this is what you need to hear. 
as the worship team comes back. This, this is this, like this is real. Like, okay, God is not saying you need to memorize the book of Numbers. God is saying through the Holy Spirit, if you serve and worship the awe-inspiring God, if you recognize the greatness and bow before Him trembling with reverence in his presence. Again, this is literal. This is not metaphorical. This is not like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to grab a donut and then they got moon pies and hot dogs a day, crackers a day. Man, I hit the, I hit the truckload when I, when I went to Grace Church for the first time. No, this is, this is how you can break out of your struggles. This is how you can, this is how a, a whole country in dysfunction can turn back to God. The Holy Spirit is saying, wait a second. God's laughing now, but there will be a time where he's going to snort like a bull moose and fire is going to come out of his nostrils and things are going to be, they're going to look a whole lot different. So church, while you have the opportunity is what he's saying, why don't you fall face down before him? Why don't you kiss the sun before his anger is roused against you? Remember those wrath can be quickly kindled. In other words, we, we think we're kind of playing with fire, and then all of a sudden we have a little outdoor heater, and I was spraying it the other day with some aerosol, and it's a gas. And I thought, finally, I, I think the Holy Spirit literally, I think, knocked on my heart's door and said, do you think that's a good idea, or should you maybe shut the heater off before you start spraying aerosol in that gas? I... <laughs> I shouldn't need the Holy Spirit, Barry. That should just be common sense. But see, I'm slow, worth waiting for, but I am slow. And so I told Janie, no way, I think she's, that's probably a good idea. And, and yet I think sometimes we're playing with fire. We're kindling things. And, and in fact, the Bible says in Proverbs, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. In fact, if you just don't even talk about that, adding that kindling to that, but you start praying, worshiping, serving all inspiring God, bowing boards for his feet face down and just say, God, we need you to sort out this mess. This is Psalms, the second chapter, because the world like it is now is probably in a, a mess. He says, but many blessings are waiting for all who turn aside to hide themselves in him. So here's the deal. Why don't you stand with me where you're at? And, and we're going to challenge you for a moment today. Because I let's go back to that last verse for a second one more time. I believe. Again, this is literal, not metaphorical simple, it's instructional, and it's yet challenging. Because uh, we've, we've grown as believers to maybe we're too good to raise our hands. Maybe it's not our culture, it's not our nature, and that's okay. We, in Grace Church, we respect however you worship. But I'm going to ask for a moment today, if you can find a place to worship. If you can find a place where it's okay for you to raise your hands or come to the altar and bow down or maybe make a, a little place at your seat or your chair and you just say, God, I, I need you. And, and maybe if you don't, this country doesn't. Maybe if the country doesn't, this world certainly does. Or that you would hold off that kindling of fire just a little bit longer. Yeah, but pastor, I want Jesus to come back. I don't because there's still six billion people that don't know him. So, Lord, if you can hold off a little bit longer, yeah, I want to be with you. But if you go off a little bit longer, there's still six billion that don't know you. And you're waiting for some of us to catch fire so that we can tell them. 
because I don't want to be part of a lazy church, and you're not lazy. I know that you love God. And so what can we do first? The first thing we can do is we can fall on our faces before God, literally, and say, okay, God, here I am. I just need to worship you. I just need more of you in my life. I need, I need you to sort things out that I don't, that I, it's too big for me. It's too, it's, there, it's too wise for me. It, it, it is too wise for the people that are running the things that they think they're running. But God, we know that you're in charge. We know that you are in control. We know that you are the one that will make a difference in everybody's life because your son came to die for everybody. And because he did, now you're looking for a group of people who aren't ashamed to worship you. So I'm going to pray. They're going to sing. I'm going to invite you to come forward if you'd like and just fall on your face before the Lord. Make a place at your seat or sit in worship. Or if you're like me, when I was first coming to a charismatic church, had no idea what you were doing, just contemplating your own heart. But please do not be ashamed or afraid of a God who sent his son to die for you. Father, we thank you today. We want to fall on our face before you. We know the world's an upheaval. We know there's sin rampant through the world. We know men think they're in charge. But Lord, we know ultimately you are the one. And you've already made a way out. So Father, we, we come today humbly to worship and identify with the one who can make a difference. And that's you, Father. Lord, receive our worship today. fall on your face? Would you come worship? Can we gather?
Amen. Can we give our victorious God a shout of praise this morning, this afternoon? Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we could ever ask or think or imagine. Amen. Our God is the champion. Amen. He has never been defeated. Coach, I don't know if you know what it feels like to be undefeated. <laughs> not, not this season, right? Probably. I don't know. But our God is an undefeated God, and he's the only one. We all know what it's like to struggle. We all know what it's like to lose. We all know what it's like to be defeated. But in Christ, what happens is we join with him in that victory. The victory that he already won, the victory that he already paid for on the cross, he gives to us so that we can be victorious as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So whatever it is that you brought in here with you today, whatever defeat that you came in here, maybe it's guilt, maybe it is shame from something in your past, something that happened to you, something that you did, maybe it's fear of something in the future, uncertainty or insecurity in your life, we can give that over now to the victorious God. We can say, God, you already took this on the cross. And so because you are undefeated, because I am in you, we are undefeated. Amen? We have a champion. So uh, I'm just going to close in prayer, and then we're going to go out and have some hot dogs and have a good time. But whatever need you brought in here today, I just encourage you to give it to God because he's already paid for it. Amen? So let's go before him one more time in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much that you are a victorious God. Lord, that you are mighty and that you are strong, that you are our refuge, that you are a strong tower, that you are very present help in our time of need. Lord, for any of those that are sick in body or sick, Lord, and mentally or sick financially, Lord, we lift them up to you now and we pray for prosperity over their lives. Lord, I pray for anyone that's struggling with a relationship. Lord, I pray for the peace of God to come in. Lord, I pray for each one of us here today, Lord, that might be struggling with those fears, insecurities, doubts, Lord, shame, guilt, fear. Lord, we give it to you today, God. We pray that we don't have to struggle with it anymore because, God, you have already paid the price that we no longer have to pay for it. We receive, Lord, the undefeated Jesus Christ over our lives. We ask that you'd go before us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, everybody, go outside, get some hot dogs, eat it out there, and uh, have a great time. Happy Fourth. We love you. God bless America. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.